0: 90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science.
1: Hey, hey Shannon, how are you?
0: Doing pretty good. Frantically finishing my syllabi as per the use this time of year.
1: Yep, classes are about to start up. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you start next week? I know a couple universities started uh Sometime this week, midweek.
0: Yeah, they did. Um, no, we start next week. So we start the 18th, which is funny because I thought we started the 25th. But
1: <laughs> So, you know, it was interesting today. Uh, I was reminded, my, my phone said, you have memories from today. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wonder what these memories are. And I was especially intrigued because it said one of them was with Shannon Doolin. Hmm. 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 So we're recording this on January twelfth. <gasps> January twelfth, twenty fifteen, uh, is when yes. we recorded our very first episode of the show.
0: Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Twenty fifteen. Yeah. Oh my god!
1: So happy seven year show anniversary!
0: Happy show anniversary! I'm like stunned by this. If you can't tell that in my voice. <laughs> My yeah, I held
1: this one out until we started
0: recording. <laughs> I, I'm mostly stunned that we haven't killed each other.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: That's really what I'm mostly stunned about. I mean, my Lord, this is like either one of us's longest job relationship, right? Like- <laughs> <laughs> it's true.
1: <laughs> I've never had a job this long. Exactly.
0: I guess I've had my current job exactly this long. Well, this would count because classes hadn't technically started,
1: right? So And wow. you know, this uh this show is older than my marriage, so
0: <laughs> There's it's that o- too. It's older than one of my children. Yeah. By almost twice, a- so
1: a lot has happened in 7 years.
0: Oh my gosh, that is unbelievable. It is twice as old as one of my children. This is unbelievable. I what did you get me?
1: <laughs> that factoid. <laughs> uh,
0: not surprised, everybody. <laughs> and yet we still won't break up, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll keep the band together for at Fine. least one more show.
0: <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't have anything to say about this show, but um <laughs> that is, <laughs> that's crazy. Wow. Um I mean, how much has changed in seven years? A lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot, because last time we would have practiced our show like 15 times before we sat down to record, and I just opened this up tonight and said, I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I can't believe we can still think of things. Yeah. You know, yeah.
1: There's that's what's awesome about what we do, though, is there's so uh, much new all the time.
0: Literally, a world of wonder.
1: Right. Uh,
0: (laughs) That felt real gross to say, but also appropriate.
1: (laughs) Now, can I hear you say the word synergy?
0: (laughs) Oh no! (laughs) Oh, we've been interviewing um, for open positions, and that word got used a couple of times, and I thought, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. I mean, I don't think that means what she's means. <laughs> you think it means. You
1: want to, you want to leverage some synergies.
0: Yes, please. If we could be open to um, networking, creative solutions, that'd be good.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know the song "Business Plan." I think you think I've played it for you before. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if
1: I remember, I'll put that in show notes.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I have a friend that does nothing like anything that we do. And she applied for a job and she said, this is just recently, and she was like, would you read my cover letter? And it's all in the businessy world. And I said, this makes no sense to me. you said nothing and yet you wrote four paragraphs. And she's like, oh, so it's good then. (laughs) It was, I could, we would die. Like, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Four paragraphs of say nothing. I said, I have no idea what any of this means. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty good. I'm trying to find the lyrics to business. I was going to say, I thought about that song. uh, Yeah. When we went over that cover letter, but um, Mm -hmm. amazing. That's amazing. How wonderful. We should definitely celebrate. I'll celebrate with this orange cream pop seltzer. I'm drinking. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I coincidentally mm. have the Love Honey Bach.
0: Mm. Seems kind of light for you.
1: <laughs> it's relatively light for me. I mean, uh, you can see through it's it, sun. right? Arkansas beer by Lost Forty Brewing,
0: Excellent. made with
1: Arkansas honey.
0: Oh, that's special. Yeah, I went to beekeeping class last night, so.
1: Yeah, we we have to talk about this hobby at some point.
0: <laughs> I mean, I haven't bought my bees yet, so I haven't fully committed, but I think it's a very interesting thing. So, yes, we should talk about it. In fact, we can talk about the magnets that live inside bees.
1: It's true. Mhm. So, what's the what's the name? Um apiarists. That's yes. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, so just reminds me of that episode of The Office where Dwight's like, "No, I have a terrible apiarist." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, that's great. There are so many terrible jokes. Like, those, oh, man, those beekeepers, it's terrible. (laughs) You just can't stop. (laughs) It's just, yeah, pun city. (sighs) Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, uh, we were trying to, well, Actually, we didn't collectively discuss this week's show. I just said, Shannon, we're going to talk about differential GPS.
0: Uh, uh, I said, what? Okay. <laughs> See you tonight. <laughs> okay. So I um, I know these are very high precision GPS because I've been in the field when these have been used before, but I haven't touched them myself.
1: <laughs> did you make me collect all your DGPS data?
0: Heck yeah, I did.
1: <laughs> okay. Nobody I didn't remember. Wants to stand I thought you might have done off? some of it.
0: I don't have time for that.
1: I just remember with the TopCon backpack, if something, if you move too much or anything, the little thing would go, uh-oh. Oh, (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, oh, that poor guy is like on a shelf somewhere. And I don't think anyone has used it since we've used it. And it makes me sad. It makes me want to bring him out and make him go, "Uh uh-oh, because it's hilarious.
1: (laughs) Well, part of the reason I want to talk about this is because... The price point on this stuff and the performance is so much different than when we were doing that, that, that unit, which was probably what a twenty to twenty-five grand unit for one. Yeah, um, is now no better than something you can buy for six hundred bucks.
0: Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's crazy. So you know, if you want this expensive stuff, just wait five years or fifteen. <laughs>
1: I remember, like when we were doing this RTK, which we'll get to, uh, was just like a glimmer in the eye.
0: Oh, that's
1: of developers, and now RTK is like, yeah, what do you mean? Like, of course we have RTK. John Deere tractors have RTK for automated steering.
0: Uh, uh, This feels like that conversation that goes, "My calculator is 128 kilobytes."
1: Yeah, years ago,
0: you know, (laughs) that's what this feels like. <clears throat> mm-hmm. so. And the
1: things that, you know, geophysicists now are going to be able just to take for granted that we can't.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. This also feels like talking about storm chasing where before cell phones where you had to leave somebody behind to now cast and then you had to find a payphone to stop and call them about what the radar was doing. <laughs> or
1: or call and get somebody to describe the DIFAX chart to you. Yes. At the Weather Service office.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, um, I remember on that same trip where you did all the boring work for me. Um, <laughs> we were coming home and we were like, we have nine different GPS devices in this car with us.
1: And we thought that was amazing. I know. And now <laughs> it's like, yeah, my cell phone is better than eight of those.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Man, that's so weird. Mm -hmm. Stuff moves fast. I mean,
1: I remember being very concerned about that car because we had, you know, one Suburban and we had gravimeters. We had a couple of different GPSs. Like, you know, three, four hundred thousand dollars of equipment in a Suburban in a parking lot while we're going in to get, you know, gas station burritos.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Oh, good thing the Suburban was as crappy looking as it was. So no one would steal it, not realizing the value of the cargo. (laughs)
1: Right. And, you know, also it kind of, what sort of triggered this too, was I went to an auction this last weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had a lot of construction equipment and it was misting and like almost freezing drizzle. And I thought, nobody's going to go to this. Everything will go for cheap. No. There were over 250 bidders, <laughs> and everything went for almost new prices. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I walked away with oh nothing.
0: Gosh. Oh, see? This is um, – uh, yeah. Ooh, stuff today is crazy. I'm I'm going to take my uh, four-year-old car in tomorrow and see what my trade-in value is and hope it's more than what I paid for. It.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I watched a 1,000-hour skid steer that needed a new track sell for almost $50,000.
0: Are you kidding me yep (laughs) okay Uh, so i'm out
1: (laughs) yeah exactly um one of the things that i found interesting is you know construction equipment uses differential gps a ton that's how they get the road in the right spot and it's how modern dozers get the road level Mm -hmm. the blade is gps guided
0: How they get it level. So I remember when I got my first actual GPS system. This is hilarious. My father-in-law, God rest his soul. um, He smoked Marlboros, which is why he's dead now, uh, (laughs) forever. And he saved for a long time. Marlboro cigarettes had like cash on them, like Marlboro cash. And you could cash it in for stuff. And he got me a... (laughs) a a GPS, like that super old Garmin that you're going to make fun of, right?
1: <laughs> yep. The the one that when you called and asked them for the connector, they audibly laughed at you on the phone.
0: Audibly laughed at me. <laughs> um, I don't even, man, I don't even remember what type of Garmin it was. Etrex one. Oh, that's right.
1: The E-Trex, yes. It was the yellow E-Trex.
0: The, the one. Hey, buddy, I just want you to know it is 50 bucks on eBay. <laughs> Uh, Not the little yellow one that has the control panel on it. That's like a new one. Mine's the super, super old yellow one. Um, Yeah. yeah. And we got that with those Marlboro bucks. And I remember they hadn't like unlocked all the satellites yet. And so I could get within like 10 meters of something and I thought that was amazing. And now you're telling me that bulldozers can figure out the roads level with GPS. (laughs)
1: Well, no, that, the, the bulldozer, you know, if you've ever operated an old bulldozer, uh, we've got we, we've got one from the 50s uh, at my parents' farm. You just got a lever for up and down on the blade. Mm-hmm. So if the bulldozer going over a bump, you know, first the front end goes up and you got to push the lever down, then you go over the bump and now you got to pull the blade back up or you're just going to make a washboard.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: It takes some technique. Uh, the new bulldozers... You put the blade in a mode, like you say, hold this elevation. Oh my gosh. And drive. And no matter what the bulldozer's doing and what the dirt in front of you is doing, differential GPS controls the blade. Oh my gosh. And they had very old primitive versions like laser-guided blade systems at this auction that were still selling for five to fifteen grand.
0: Oh my gosh goodness
1: um but the gps now is so good that you don't even need the laser systems that they used to have to have
0: that's unbelievable so oh yeah i guess a lot of people might remember that that's true uh yeah so this is a far cry from my first E-trex and 30 meters of resolution <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know, you mentioned before they unlocked the satellites, and that's an interesting bit of history because that's why DGPS exists.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so, I don't know a this, lot about uh, that. I just know the Russians unlock satellites, right? <laughs>
1: no. no, so the the government <laughs> was afraid that a hostile person would be able to use the GPS signal to guide a missile. Well, they're right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they fuzzed the signals deliberately. Right. So they put a random offset on the clock of these satellites that would offset your position by up to 100 meters.
0: Oh, see? Okay. So my, you know, 30 meters of resolution was better than it could have been.
1: <laughs> yeah. And this was known as Selective Availability, or SA. Uh Uh, And there was another frequency, the L2 frequency. That's the L1 signal from the GPS, uh, which, for those of you playing along with your software-defined radios, uh, (laughs) that's 1.57542 gigahertz. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And the L2 transmissions, which were 1.2276 gigahertz, were not fuzzed. They were intended for military use only, and the way they enforced that was they encrypted them, and you had to have the encryption keys on your GPS unit to be able to decrypt and use the L2 signal. Okay. Well, most people were pretty mad about selective availability, even other government agencies. Because think about everybody else that needs precise navigation. Uh, Drivers, for one, but Nobody cares about the driving public. Um, boats? <laughs> boats, yep. The United States, <laughs> The United States Coast Guard and the FAAs, and to some extent the DOT, pushed very hard to make selective availability a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. And the Defense Department said, no way, no how. So there were some old, well... Older navigation techniques out there, like LORAN, mm-hmm. mostly used for marine navigation. Uh, VORs, VHF Omnidirectional Range, which is a wonderful compound acronym because the V is another acronym. <laughs> um, those were used for and still are used for air routes and okay. non-directional beacons also used uh, for aircraft. But there, well, I mean, LORAN was pretty good. Uh, It was very, very expensive. And the VORs Mm -hmm. are very expensive. Uh, NDBs were not the best. So they're very expensive. They're not as good of navigation as GPS that's not fuzzed. Right. Okay, well, Defense Department said no. So what are we going to do? Well, somebody figured out that the fuzzing is actually a... You can't just fuzz 100 meters this direction, then 100 meters this direction, then 100 meters... Because guess what? The average You're of that is your position. You're still going to
0: get right where you were, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so they didn't do that because they knew this is what would happen. So it was an offset that would very slowly change in random directions. Ah, gotcha. Well, this offset would be roughly uniform over a similar geographic region.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because it had to be. I mean, you're just you're you're offsetting a clock signal. So around this point, let's say you had an offset of 50 meters to the northeast. If you drove a few miles, or even 10 miles, maybe even 100 miles, it's still going to be 10 meters ish to the northeast. Right. Okay. So somebody got the bright idea of why don't we just stick a GPS in the ground? <laughs> And watch how it says, we know it's not moving unless there's a large earthquake. Right. Let's just record its position and then we'll subtract that from the data that we're using. Excellent. (laughs) And over time, we'll get an average that represents its position. So we'll know that actual position fixed flat long. Right. And then we can just use the difference between that fixed position we know and where it says it is now to correct our GPS if we're in the vicinity
0: mm-hmm okay and so differential gps either okay gotcha how long would you have to sit there and wait
1: um i mean if you establish a new station you know probably something on the order of magnitude of a day yeah okay uh, days is better but day right more. yeah
0: yeah exactly okay yeah that makes sense that makes so- sense
1: <laughs> Defense department was not thrilled about this development.
0: Ah, uh, how dare <laughs> you figure out physics?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Uh-huh. Um, and
1: there are other, there are other errors, which we'll get to, uh, why we still use differential GPS today. Mm-hmm. But eventually the Clinton administration said, this is silly. And they turned off selective availability.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, One of the more, well, one of the things I think prompted this to was we actually had some troops on the ground that only had civilian receivers while selective availability was still happening. Uh,
0: uh, uh.
1: And for a short period of time, they actually turned off selective availability because these troops said, our GPSs are useless. We don't have L2 GPSs Mm -hmm. and we need to know our position. And so SA was turned off for a while and magically nobody flew a missile with it. And differential GPS was becoming a thing. And so eventually the Clinton administration just said, now we're just going to leave it off.
0: Thank goodness. So that didn't happen until 2000.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. That's impressive. Okay. Yeah. That's. uh, mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) So why do we still need differential GPS?
0: Well, because now we, we're we greedy, right? And we want to know things down to the tiniest amount that we can. Yeah, basically. <laughs>
1: more, more. <laughs> so there are a lot of other errors. Um, I mean, one of the bigger ones is the fact that there's transmission delay uh, in the ionosphere.
0: Yeah, okay. Because so. sig-
1: radio signals bend around.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So all this other natural stuff that gets in the way, not the not the intentional fuzziness,
1: but... And there's the- also unintentional fuzziness, like clock drift on the satellites.
0: Right. There you go.
1: Yeah.
0: So differential GPS will fix all that, and we can figure out where we are within, you know, millimeters, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um- <laughs> not that that makes any difference for most scientific things, but you know, we still got it
1: (laughs) in gravity surveys. It is essential.
0: Yes. I said most, I mean, it is essential because gravity is non-unique. So you need to, you know, get as much stuff right as you can. So you can make your ridiculous guess at what's causing the anomaly.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, one of the biggest, (laughs) uh, well, one of the biggest uncertainties in gravity data is the free air correction. It's one of the largest corrections you have to apply. Mm-hmm. And it's very sensitive to your elevation right, or distance from the center of the Earth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that half a foot, a foot of uncertainty could very easily swamp the signal you're looking for. Yep. Uh, I mean, you've got to remember, uh, pulling these numbers out of my head here, but I want to say a foot is something like a 10th of a milligal.
0: That's a bunch.
1: Yeah. It's somewhere in that neighborhood because I know uh, the syntax that we had was sensitive down to the sub milligal range. And one of the labs I would have students do is set it on the floor and take a reading and set it on the table and take a reading mm. and tell me how tall the table was. And it was pretty darn good.
0: That's impressive.
1: Uh, <laughs> now, if you had a older, like a, Lacoste-Romberg or something that wasn't quite, well, I'm not going to say not quite as sensitive because I'll get a lot of hate mail.
0: Harder to read.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Something that required a lot more user skill to get a good reading from. (laughs) Yes. Uh, You could send students (laughs) up and down to different floors of the building.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I've seen that done too. So yeah, that's definitely, there's a lot of user error in trying to read that little dial.
1: I mean, you're looking through a microscope and trying to line two lines up.
0: Mm -hmm. And if you're outside, it's it's impossible (laughs) Yeah. hmm Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. okay,
1: so they're important for things like that. They're important for things like sailing ships, flying planes, steering tractors autonomously in the field.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, because now farmers are able to do things like take the terrain of their field and try to design the ideal drainage for their crop, and a computer program will help them figure out the best way to plant their crop they load that plan into their tractor and the tractor draws these crazy patterns in the field.
0: See kids, this is why it's important to pay attention in school now.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because if you're, no matter what you're doing, if you're bailing, hay, you're probably using some form of GPS still, which is crazy. Uh
0: That is very interesting that it is that um, universal now.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And pretty cheap. I mean, uh, you can buy a very not great resolution GPS receiver, just, you know, the chip like I would put on a circuit board Mm -hmm. in quantity for three to six dollars.
0: So we were talking today, I'm about to go out into the field and we're going to core a well And we were talking today about citing it because we're sending a student out and then um, someone from the drilling team and they're going to go out and cite the well based on our GPS coordinates. And I said, okay, great. You know, I'll get the GPS to send with him. And he's like, oh no, just download this GPS app. And I thought, what? (laughs) Like, this is a very important thing we're about to do. And you're going to stand there with your phone (laughs) and just mark it. But yeah, it's probably going to work fine. (laughs)
1: It'll probably be close enough. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. I would would guess
1: it would be... So I use my iPad when I'm flying, um, and it tells me the uncertainty of my fix. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't use it for flying IFR, but you can use it as guidance VFR. Right. Uh, I routinely get a fix better than two meters.
0: Yeah. See, there we go. That's all we need.
1: Unbelievable.
0: Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. So... (laughs) Why? Well, okay, we need differential GPS because we're greedy. Uh, (laughs) Now, that two meters could be a real big deal if I'm using a GPS to survey the boundary between two landowners and settle a dispute over where the fence is.
0: Uh, Right, exactly. I mean, this two meters is actually a big deal for us because we're looking at this um, like a paleo valley and the walls are very steep. And so two meters is the difference of getting in the valley or being on the side of the valley.
1: Maybe you should send a GPS, though.
0: I am. (laughs) I said, that's great, but I'm going to send him with my GPS. That's exactly what I did. So no no problems. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So if you're surveying land, you need better tools. If you're building a road and your bulldozer only gets the road flat to within plus or minus two meters, (laughs) that could be a problem. Not okay.
0: Yeah. Here's another thing, too. I don't know if you had already planned to um, talk about this, but we have to use differential GPS to get regional dip in one of our sampling locations because the dip is close to zero, but it's not zero. And so we need to know what it is for purposes of like tectonics, you know which which way is this dipping where's the uplift happening you know which way would this river have flown if it's so close to flat and we have to use yeah differential gps to figure that out because it is so close to flat but then with that you can see oh well it's not flat it's less than a degree but still not flat and that matters for gravity
1: yeah or what if you can't do Uh, traditional surveying methods because you're near a highly magnetic rock.
0: Mm -hmm. And that, which isn't our case here, unfortunately, but still.
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah. Your rocks have no magnetism. Uh,
0: None at all. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. They have a tiny bit, but (laughs) still.
1: (laughs) So, you know, it's still used. um, There are some other systems that I want to talk about too that have improved it, but what really blew my mind is uh, SparkFun Electronics. They make great stuff. Okay. Uh, they have, and I don't remember what they're calling it. It's like a jewel, or, I can't remember the name. Anyway, they've made a GPS unit that's, you know, on a monopod.
0: Okay. A for stick. neighborhood six Is a monopod a stick?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I've never. Okay. I'm only going to call... All sticks monopods, no.
1: <laughs> you don't hang out with enough photographers.
0: Gosh, I don't. That's man, that's hilarious. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I just had to I just had to clarify that before we <laughs> Okay, so it's a GPS on stick. Yep.
1: <laughs> um, it's this little injection molded unit that's about the size of a cereal bowl. It connects to your phone. And it gets the GPS correction data from your phone. So the okay. phone isn't actually providing the corrections, but it's, you know, through the magic of the internet, going mm-hmm. getting real-time corrections from stations in your region. Okay. Gotcha. And then it shows it on a GIS app on your phone where you are. That's cool. They demonstrate in their product launch, uh, Video, standing in the parking lot with this stick, and he just leans the stick over, and you see the dot move on the screen.
0: It says one point four centimeter accuracy, and it's called the facet, by the way, which is right the that you call the jewel yeah. that shows how nerdy you are. <laughs> <laughs> one point four centimeters,
1: and they also have ways that you can set up your own base station and do you know genuine RTK. That um, is cool yeah okay. I mean I want this this GPS is something on a stick <laughs> this is something that we could not do with that fifty thousand yeah. dollars of GPS equipment we had in the suburban exactly ten years ago
0: unbelievable and this is seven hundred bucks and, now and it,
1: it's programmed in Arduino oh my gosh like and it's the size of it. your
0: hand
1: yeah oh <sighs>
0: You had to wear a backpack.
1: <laughs> I had to wear a backpack. <laughs> had to put all these batteries in this thing and start up and it had to warm up for like 15 oh, minutes.
0: So long. So long. And then you had to set the
1: base station up because you had to do your own corrections, but we didn't have RTK because RTK was new.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I had to pull the SD card out of the base and pull the SD card <laughs> out of the rover. And label them and then put them in the computer and download correction data from NASA and apply it in this oh. terrible software.
0: Which is why no one's touched that $50,000 worth of GPS, because you could just buy this one on a stick for 700 bucks and use your phone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It says in the product description, this is exactly how $10,000 surveying devices have been operating for the past decade. Now it's smaller, easy and economical
1: <laughs> yep
0: Oh, this is so cool
1: I saw them launch that and I was like oh my gosh this <laughs> is amazing
0: <laughs> you said how much time would that have saved me oh my god
1: <laughs> oh man I remember surveying in we did a I want to say it was a two and a half kilometer long oh. seismic line over the Wilsetta Fault <sighs> With geophones every, do you remember? Was it 10 meters or five meters?
0: Uh, Man, I thought it was five.
1: I want to say it was five, too. Yeah. I remember standing, straddling each one of those geophones with that backpack on. (laughs) I think it was like a day or a day and a half waiting for a little, uh (laughs) uh-oh. Yep.
0: Gosh. Yeah, that was rough. No one ever wanted that. Man, you didn't want that job. I don't know. I mean the gravimeter is just as boring really, but
1: <laughs> well, like you had this little it was like a palm pilot that you held
0: mm-hmm, that you hooked yeah. up to
1: the backpack and had a little stylus, but it was an industrial <laughs> palm pilot. It was had this big rubber over mold on it.
0: Uh, uh, you just had to stand as still as you could. Oh yep. man. And I had to close my eyes, obviously, because I'd just laugh at people if I ever used it. But
1: well and you remember too, <laughs> you had to measure oh. the Distance from the ground to the bottom of the GPS ground plane.
0: Mm-hmm. So, if you
1: changed operators, <laughs> that's right. You had to measure that distance again, and then you had to post process that data differently mm-hmm. because that person was a different height. Exactly. I remember getting yelled at for hunching, for slumping.
0: Which uh, uh, is easy to do after a day of walking every five meters and <laughs> standing there. But if
1: your GPS is on a steak,
0: exactly. It A monopod. Monopod. (laughs) Ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. That's great.
1: (laughs) So I mean, you know, I I clearly don't make any money if people buy that. Uh, (laughs) but that's pretty cool.
0: And I I want one just because. Just because. (laughs) Yeah. I
1: mean, we do we don't really do a lot of surveying for people. Mm-hmm. but i'm still interested
0: because they don't need you anymore because they can just buy this stuff as opposed to that twenty-five thousand dollars gps
1: <sighs> i mean yeah. you remember you we've we've had to use total stations and transits yep. and all these oh, other things yeah. to get accurate elevations because
0: just putting up the total station just putting that up would be like oh man get the guy that's already done it or else we're going to be here for 45 minutes just leveling this stupid thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're like nope yep, nope you would- move that tripod leg oh oh too far too far <laughs>
1: have To put it over a known benchmark and then get all of these differential intermediate places that you could move it to just to get an elevation for a gravimetry point.
0: That's all gone now. Wow. Yeah. Geophysics has certainly changed.
1: It certainly Qu- has. Uh, quickly. So, this RTK that I keep talking about is real time kinetic. And that's Mm. the thing that we can only dream of affording. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Yeah,
1: And that's where the base station and the rover talked over a radio link. And you would get corrections applied in real time.
0: That's unbelievable. Not a week later in the lab. (laughs) Yeah,
1: well, and sometimes you would go back in the data wouldn't (laughs) post-process. Uh-huh. Yep. Or, yeah. (laughs) Or you would go back. And you'd be like, "Oh well, the uncertainty is ridiculously tiny. I didn't need to stand there for five minutes at each point." Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you didn't. But if you had you real time kinetic, you could just watch the uncertainty go down. You go, "That's good enough. Moving on."
0: Uh huh. Oh. Technology. Uh,
1: but, yeah. So now you know. I know people say, "Well, what if you don't have cell phones like Well, You can still set up a base station and do RTK." Yeah. Um, and that's still how you're going to get the best results.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Correct. But. Do you need, you know, 10, 14 millimeter precision? Or are you okay with, you know, (laughs) sloppy seconds at like 80, 90 millimeters?
0: Exactly. (laughs) Fine. I'll take your centimeter accuracy, I guess. If I have to. (laughs) Man, we used to just like walk around with a map and say, I think I'm here. (laughs) Oh, I know. And then that'd be it.
1: <laughs> On topo maps, you're like, are we standing by this wiggle or this wiggle?
0: hmm In the valley. My favorite one, which I just learned a couple of years ago, uh, which is to get a half-drunk bottle of water. So you take your Nalgene, and you can hold it up to your eye, and then you can figure out like what elevation the flatline units across the way from you are by using that as a level. Hmm. Impressive, huh?
1: Interesting.
0: <laughs> or you could just, yeah, <laughs> make yeah. sure you bring enough batteries.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, like any and good deal, are also getting
1: good enough that they they outlast you in the field most of the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Either <laughs> batteries are getting better, or we're getting older. <laughs> Both. <laughs>
0: hmm. Very interesting.
1: And, you know, the now, like, I had a, so to fly instrument approaches, you have to have a panel-mounted certified GPS mm-hmm. in your aircraft. Okay. Well, I put one in, or had one put in. hmm And it is capable of this thing called WAS. Okay. Which is the Wide Area Augmentation System.
0: Okay. I don't know WAS. about this.
1: Yeah, so WAS is also one of these kind of, I don't know if it was pre selective availability getting killed or not. Um, but WAS is a network of ground stations. So every air route traffic control center, other than one or two, has a WAS base station. They're basically a differential GPS base station. Uh, The WASP base stations get two kinds of corrections. They get a fast correction and a slow correction. So the slow correction is things like clock drift on the satellites that are Mm -hmm. pretty static. Those get recorded, transmitted over the internet or telecommunications networks, sent up to the satellite. And they actually get sent down from the satellite with the timing signals.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So the satellite now says, "Hey, here's here's my timing signals, and here's the was estimated error in them." Oh. And Fancy. then the short term corrections, which are things like atmospheric distortion, uh, random you know, drift, all these things that change frequently and quickly, mm-hmm. are transmitted. It's kind of like RTK; they're transmitted real time from ground stations to the airplane.
0: Wow. Okay. That's cool. So
1: my airplane, when I'm on approach, is actually using a form of differential GPS called WAS augmentation to get, you know, a couple of feet resolution, which, yeah, okay, it's not differential GPS, but a couple of feet is good enough to land a plane.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Which, I mean, you know, in... Visual flight rules isn't a big deal, right? But but if it's well, foggy, with instrument.
1: <laughs> yeah. So with instrument, uh, if your GPS is not WAS equipped, most of the approaches have significantly higher minimums, mm-hmm. where you have to be mm-hmm. able to see the runway quite a bit higher up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, makes sense. That's but If you've cool. got WAS
1: capable GPSs, I just fly the needles and
0: yeah. I mean, two feet going to the ground. Gonna be a big bump, but it's not going to be as big of a bump as you know a ten foot difference.
1: Well, you. <laughs> Almost no approaches you can fly down that low.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Internally, you know, still talking a few hundred feet above the ground, but then you have to have visual.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Uh, but it's still impressive. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, there are commercial airliners that can land themselves hands off. So weird. So weird.
0: Hmm. This is cool. It's. Very interesting to see how widespread this usage is. I had no idea about blades on bulldozers. It's impressive.
1: Yeah. So there you go. Uh, GPS is is everywhere. And the cool thing is GPS is just one way. And let me, okay, so if you do an RTK and you're talking to a base station, but the GPS satellite doesn't know how many GPS receivers are listening. Mm -hmm. It doesn't cost anything to have more receivers listening. Yeah. And now these receivers are so cheap. We're using them in a lot of our equipment just for timing. Wow. Like I'm doing a lot of things. I actually don't care about the position. I actually throw that information away. Um, But I'm using it to get microsecond or submicrosecond accurate timestamps to synchronize many instruments.
0: That's amazing. Just throw the position away because you don't need it. Yep. All right. That is quite an advancement in the last 20 years, that's for sure.
1: (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh, (laughs) So hopefully it wasn't a a terribly boring dive into DGPS. I just thought this was so cool that uh, when I saw that announcement and we happened to be talking about GPS in several other instances, I was like, this is amazing. $700 does what that Suburban full of gear
0: does. No kidding! In not even—I mean—you can't even quantify the time difference between those two things. No, <laughs> we're not talking. It's the base like, station. Take an hour. Yeah, I was going to say it's not like it's a quarter faster, twenty-five percent faster, a hundred. No, it's yeah, weeks versus instantaneous. <laughs> wow! All for seven hundred bucks, man. I would have paid that back then if I wouldn't have had to stand there in that backpack.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I would have said call it a tech fee and put it on my tuition bill.
0: Uh, Yeah, exactly. I mean, I wouldn't have even had to think about it. But if I did have to think about it, maybe there was a way to track how long it takes me to think about it. Yeah. (laughs) Was that a good segue?
1: (laughs) That that was an excellent segue. (laughs) The, The light bulb came on. Yeah. And that means it's time for everybody's favorite segment of the show. Fun Paper Friday.
0: Yay! <laughs> um, this one's real weird, man.
1: <laughs> a genetically tractable jellyfish model for systems and evolutionary neuroscience by Weisbord et al.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you know where the Howard Hughes Medical Institute was?
1: <laughs> no.
0: Okay. I felt like I should have known where that was, but I didn't. I mean, that's a...
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, Pasadena. If you're wondering,
0: yeah, I was going to say I had to <laughs> look that one up. And, interesting. Um, so this is in cell, so that's a big deal. And also, I'm really shocked that you pulled a biology paper.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> so um, I'm interested to know how you got a hold of this.
1: <laughs> well, that's of course because of our third co-host, Daryl. Ah,
0: oh, yes, excellent. Okay, I knew you would never do this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, unfortunately, it's in an Elsevier journal,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which means you probably can't get to it.
0: Yeah, which is too bad because the figures in this are pretty amazing.
1: And they're supporting videos, which I cannot get to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But there is a popular science article from fizz.org that has some of the videos from the supplemental material in it.
0: Um, I will say that when I watch those videos, I didn't really get what was going on <laughs> in terms of the little jellyfish eating, but you can see what's happening. So, the, the deal is these little bitty jellyfish are real simple, not anything like us. Um, and their brain isn't necessarily an organ, it's kind of spread out through their whole body. And they, like, genetically modified them to have fluorescent neurons. And so they can look at this jellyfish in toto. (laughs) So you can look at his whole body working and say, okay, when this jellyfish wants to eat, it does this. And these are the neurons that it fires to eat. Or if the jellyfish wants to get away from a predator, it you know, needs to swim to the left. And so these are the neurons that fire to make that whole system work where it swims to the left.
1: And what's, what's cool is, well, you know, those animations they would always have like in uh, Nova specials or PBS specials, we are talking about the brain. And it's always like this really bad nineties computer animation <laughs> Of what looks like a lightning bolt, like shooting through this windy neuron passage.
0: Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, so
1: that's what this does in real life. Yeah, it, it blows, it's exactly the, the neuron like. glow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it looks exactly like that. So you apologize for that <laughs> weird '90s. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's transfixing to watch. Actually,
1: it is. And what really blew my mind was they said. Because the brain is distributed, parts of the body can continue to operate when separated. It's like if you surgically remove the jellyfish <laughs> mouth, it still tries to eat because the try to eat neurons and part of the brain are, are with on it.
0: The mouth, that was so unnerving.
1: <laughs> but it makes. Oh, bad. Boo.
0: <clears throat> Go ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, it makes so much sense though because like our brain everything's in one spot mm-hmm. if you get hit in the head a lot of you can become useless mm-hmm. yep whereas if your hand gets chopped off you don't need the part of your brain that works your right hand because it's gone
0: Hmm. yeah
1: So this actually makes a lot of sense
0: That is very true. And, um, and one of the things is like, well, jellyfish are very simple. So what is the big deal that you can do this? And, um, it, I thought it was interesting that they made the point that, well, we don't actually study these simple organisms very much. So this probably has a lot, or will have a lot to do when we start to look at evolution. And it's like jellyfish have been around, you know, hundreds of millions of years. So. They're successful. So, yeah. why would we not look at what they're doing? And I thought that was a cool point, too, is that you can look at the whole thing under a microscope while it's happening.
1: So, you know, I've actually, I've strongly considered getting a jellyfish aquarium before.
0: <gasps> My son was would, just talking about this.
1: <laughs> it would be even cooler if they were these jellyfish. So it's like oh, a night no kidding.
0: <laughs> um, I didn't look at like, how they got this to work because it was a lot of this one's beyond my my biological ability even though i feel like i pick out these i pick out these papers a lot but this one was real intense
1: yeah for mm-hmm. sure um so, so i probably i would could... stick with the pop science article <laughs>
0: right yeah i probably couldn't do this to your jellyfish is my point like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but it's probably worth emailing them to get one.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, it's it's really neat. Um, it's a really cool it, – it's worth it to go to the pop science one just to watch the videos. But if you can get a hold of the paper, there's some really awesome figures in here.
1: Yeah, and they what they discovered was like when the jellyfish is eating, okay, well, how does it know – what part of the umbrella of the jellyfish to move to get the, the prey to its mouth. Mm -hmm. Well, they found that the brain activity was divided into kind of pizza slices. (laughs) Yeah. And that the pizza slices that needed to move to get the prey to the mouth were the ones that were most active. So Mm -hmm. that part of the brain was thinking and then moving that part of the umbrella.
0: So weird. It's also weird to watch it fold itself in to eat but
1: yeah it also makes me think that you know like right now people say oh you can't you know pat your head and rub your stomach
0: ah, jellyfish if
1: can. each of your hands had <laughs> his distributed brain
0: <laughs> uh-huh. no big deal no big deal <laughs>
1: one of them could be writing one ear could be listening to music the other ear could be doing something else uh man that's right. doing you, you could be writing <laughs> with one foot
0: i need that right now i'm gonna tell you yeah <laughs> I have three syllabi to get done, so. <laughs> what
1: would be even cooler is if you could rest different parts of the brain because mm-hmm. jellyfish don't sleep, right?
0: Right, exactly.
1: So, you know, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not using my right right arm for now, so I'm going to let that part of my brain rest.
0: Oh, that would be amazing. Just amazing.
1: I need to exercise on the elliptical, so I don't need my, my eye brain and my ear brain.
0: <laughs> I can
1: turn those off and True just both. keep my leg brain going.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you saying that we're going to evolve into this? Is that what you're hoping?
1: <laughs> no, I'm just saying it would be a very interesting paradigm shift.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, would be. wonder how we get this going. Probably has something to do with we could send some radioactive signals over GPS.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. This was very, this was a very cool, a cool paper.
1: Yeah. So thanks Daryl for saying this. And even though I normally don't pick biology papers out of the submissions, (laughs) uh, this one caught my attention. Mm
0: -hmm. Great.
1: Yeah. So if you have figured out how to make fluorescent neurons at home, (laughs) we'd love to see that recipe and your results on the feasibility of a distributed brain. Shannon, how can they send in those findings?
0: <laughs> Show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. We're on Twitter at don'tpanicgeo. I am at Shannon Doolin. John is at geo underscore Lehman. Um, we're on the Don't Panic channel and the software underground. And as always, thank you for supporting our diabolical fl- glowing jellyfish research at <laughs> Patreon. You can support us there, patreon.com slash don'tpanicgeo.